0: Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey.
1: All right, folks, welcome to the Information Edge podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey. Let's do a little housekeeping because we've got a great guest and we've got a lot to chew on today. Um, Go to theinformationedge.net, which also if you put in darrenyancey.com, it's going to take you to the same site. And sign up for the newsletter. We've had a big flurry of people signing up for the newsletter. I know it's due here soon, but it's not quite uh, due just yet. Um, we're going to be updating a little bit more on the resource site in terms of, we've got a lot of, a lot of what we've done this past year has covered the the whole gamut. And I don't have all of the sites broken down into more of a county and city. And that's a lot of work, but we're going to do it and put it out there for you because you guys have been asking for it. If you want to follow me on social media, on Twitter and right now, Twitter may hang around. I may not nuke it. Uh, it's at InfoEdge sixty five on Gab and Getter, which I'm a little more active because there's still free speech there. It's at DGNC sixty five. Today we've got someone we've had on the show before, um, and we're going to go into a little bit of his change of title. And then I got several topics I want to go into, and that's Mr. John Zadrozny, now of America First Legal. Uh, where before last time we talked, we were part of the America First Policy Institute. So, John, tell me what is the first off? What's the change in your title? Uh, Is this a division of where you were at before? Is this a whole new entity? And uh, let's get into what this this, entity is doing right now for the American people.
0: Hey, Darren. It's good to see you again. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Yes, sir. I changed positions. I'm now the Deputy Director for Oversight and Investigations with America First Legal. Uh, Despite the America First, they are not affiliated. Uh, America First Legal is a separate entity, and it's also a 501c3 organization, but it's, it's run by a few old allies from the administration, including my old boss, Stephen Miller, uh, Gene Hamilton, who used to work with the Department of Justice and a bunch of other good friends. The, the good part about what we're doing is we're basically uh, it, it seems like there, there are other groups out there that do this, but uh, it's our site has not been really fighting on litigation for years. You've noticed the left has used lawfare to uh, to its advantage. They have turned it into an art form over the last 20 years. And the right has a few groups, but they're very selective and they're a little quiet, in my opinion, in AFL. And we've got to get better about that. Yeah. And this organization is actually uh, probably doing, dare I say, more than a lot of the other organizations out there combined. Um, We are trying to be noisy and force them to do the work that they forced us to do and deal with all the litigation on every little thing. I mean, I remember when we were particularly in immigration, Darren, we couldn't walk five feet without being sued by someone. Uh, and they, they were, the lawsuits were constant. They delayed a lot of the things the administration wanted to do. Some of them never actually got off the ground. Some of them were pushed off by years. Um, so we're trying to take that same fight to them, and I, I think that they're feeling a little bit of pain because of it.
1: Do you recall in the 2000s the thing called the Colorado Plan? You ever heard of that? Yes. And do you remember the, what, one of the cornerstones of the Colorado plan? For those of you who have never heard of this before, the Colorado plan was a process to flip the state from red to blue, which they did successfully. And one of the basis behind that was effectively taking liberal candidates and funding them not only to go out and campaign, but giving them a legal team that would sue their opposition at every step. Well, he said something like, well, that violates this. And, and it was basically, it got those candidates quagmired where they couldn't campaign do that. And it was one of the successful ways that Colorado was flipped from blue to red. Now, today, I, a lot of time has passed. The state is kind of shifting back. But you've got you've got some strongholds in Denver. You've got some strongholds in Boulder. But that was part of the plan to undermine and change conservative strongholds. Because before that, Colorado was a very heavily Republican state. And today, it's even though the last couple of elections is getting closer and coming back, it's purple. And today, what we're seeing, I want to get into this, and, and let's talk about what what your opinion in America first. The challenge that Marjorie Taylor Greene is facing right now, she's giving testimony right now as we talk, is I think taking the Colorado plan and taking it one step further. I don't think we've ever in the history, and if, if I'm wrong, somebody tell me. If we've seen a sitting member of Congress, be it the House or the Senate, that's having to go through a hearing as to determine their eligibility to run again based upon their their free speech uh, discussions as an elected official. Have we ever seen this, John?
0: Darren, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. It's actually it's it's terrifying. And I don't say that lightly. I think we are in a, a terrifying moment in this country on all fronts. And this is one key part of it. Uh, I, I was thinking, we were talking a little bit before about um, what's going on with M- Ms. Taylor Green, and I remember growing up, all, every time you heard a story about scandal for, in Congress, all the things that members did while sitting that were violations of law from taking bribes from defense companies. I mean, do you remember Barney Frank? Barney Frank was yep. running a gay prostitution ring out of his apartment, and he wasn't thrown out of Congress. Like, the things that you can do as a member that people have done for years— uh, there were actual violations of law didn't leave a mark on these people, and yet Miss Taylor Green has uh, a First Amendment right to, to say what she wants, and they, I think they view it as a threat, Darren. I don't know what well, they're They're, to they're scared it. to death of her. They're scared to death
1: of her. A- and yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, they have a right to be Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Berber, who is a Colorado representative. These two ladies, who are actually uh, biological females, have a greater set of uh, <clears throat> uh, frazos than most of
0: the <laughs> men in the Republican Party. Uh, it's terrifying, but true, Darren, you know, I think here's one thing I think that might be happening. I could be wrong. I think they are trying right now in advance of what they perceive to be a likely defeat in the fall um, where Republicans will likely win the House barring some sort of catastrophic event. Um, I think they're trying to inoculate themselves to prevent the Republicans from looking into the January 6th events and the potential inappropriate behavior of the FBI and other federal agencies, mm-hmm. possibly even including the Capitol Police. They don't want those investigations talked about. So if you scare the heck out of people in advance saying, can't talk about this, you're an insurrectionist, you're going to lose your seat, maybe they think they can chill enough members that nobody wants to talk about it. I will tell you this, Darren, I hope members, uh, not members, I hope your listeners want to January 6th and election integrity and important issues looked into. But if they do, they better call their members now because I have a bad feeling that Kevin McCarthy and some of the quote unquote Republican leadership are trying to prevent these avenues of investigation from being looked into when we have control of the chamber. So I think unfortunately, like it's bad enough that the Democrats are trying to prevent us from doing this, but I think our own side's going to be a thorn if we don't get ahead of it.
1: Well, and and, and I, I don't like McCarthy. Um, he reminds me of Boehner. Um, Maybe he's Boehner light, but I, and I wasn't a big fan of John Boehner and I'm not a fan of Kevin McCarthy and, and there's no way he should be uh, speaker of the house. There's, there's far better candidates out there. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather see Marjorie Taylor green. I'd rather see a Lauren Boebert. I'd rather see a Jim Jordan. Uh, I think the one that would break, um, the political world is, uh, if Matt Getz goes through with his, uh, his, his promise of nominating uh president trump to be speaker of the house and uh, i think i think that that lightning rod would uh, would separate uh, the wheat from the chaff as they, as they say and we'd find out real fast who the republican uh, supporters are because that's one right there that i think could uh that that's a nuclear bomb that could be dropped i'd like to see it but in practical if that's not i these these are these are very good people and to sit here and say you know, first off, this nonsense that January 6th was an insurrection. No, it wasn't. It was a protest that had stupidity committed by a small number of people. If those people really wanted to do an insurrection, they could have wiped out Washington, D.C. And I think that's what scares the hell out of a lot of the a lot of the folks in there, the, the rhinos, uh, the Democrats, that if they had really wanted to, they could have taken them out. and There's nothing they could have done about it.
0: Do you hear any of that bustling? Uh- I mean, I, I think that there are some, I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of members actually don't like the people like the rhinos. I think the people who are more like us do appreciate their roles. They look at themselves in a historical context. They don't think too much of themselves. But I think a lot of the rhinos and the, the liberals, they all think they're they, they exist to be served. And they were uncomfortable that people were unhappy that they weren't doing their jobs. And Uh, It's it has definitely unsettled a lot of them. And, you know, look, with regard to McCarthy, I I don't personally think he should be speaker. I don't think he's a good leader. I don't think he leads at all. Um, You can can look over the last year and a half where he let Republicans keep their leadership spots after voting for impeachment against Donald Trump, for example, or he let basically some of the Republican members save the Democrats awful alleged infrastructure bill when they were about to lose the vote themselves. Uh, You know, the whole point of having leadership is to marshal your your men and women to make sure you win votes and do certain things in a direction. How on earth can you be speaker if you can't even keep eight Republicans in line on the flagship item of the opposition party? Uh, But, you know, put that aside. The one big problem you find in races like this, and I think anyone will admit to you, is that you can't beat somebody with nobody. If there's no alternative, no out there alternative, no member who's willing to say I'm going to run for speaker or um, Donald Trump says I would like to be speaker and people start getting whipped up it doesn't matter if people don't think McCarthy would be a good speaker. He's going to be speaker barring some sort of contest.
1: I I think there's going to be a contest though. I do. I think there is going to be a contest. I think there's, I think he's viewed as weak. Um, all of the points that you just made are are spot on and he he'll, I can tell you this, if Kevin McCarthy is elected speaker of the house, we're not going to see any formal impeachment uh, proceedings against Joe Biden. And there are documented violations of law and constitution since this man has been in office.
0: So. I agree 100 percent, Darren. One one other thing about um, McCarthy. He, I do think he is going to prevent, like you said, impeachment from happening. He's already basically said it's not important. We need to look forward. It's the typical claptrap you get. Yeah. Um, but I'll be honest with you. Impeachment might be the new oversight, really, in an administration that is refusing to cooperate with Congress and share any information with the public. I mean, it's really kind of creepy and Orwellian just how closed off they are. The the left loves to pretend they're the most transparent administration in history every time they're in charge, but it's actually the opposite. And so I think you're reaching a point where impeachment is going to be the only viable means of finding out what your government is actually doing. So I think that should kind of, in my personal opinion, it'd be nice if that was a a binary point of conversation about, you. so you wanna be speaker, do you favor impeachment or not? (laughs) Do you favor yeah. oversight in the January sixth uh, investigations or not? Do you favor election integrity investigations or not? And if you don't, you shouldn't apply. And then, and then, I think the something that gets lost
1: in all this, and it's it's horrible that it's happening, is the people that are being held from January sixth without any due process. Mm-hmm. How the hell are we allowing that to happen?
0: You know, they should they should just tell them that they're illegal aliens and they'll get out and be given lots of money and plane tickets and taken care of. It's really I, mean, no, I don't mean to make light of it. It's really horrible. It's hard to believe this is the United States and that Americans have been locked up with due process for over a year. It's I, I, can disgusting. You,
1: I can tell you this, and, and and I say this in all sincerity with what we're seeing with Marjorie Taylor Green, if, if she's allowed to be removed from the ballot. You, we're about to throw all civil discourse out the window. Because right now the nation is a powder keg. And I, I do believe there's more of folks on the right than there are on the left. And if that powder keg blows, it's not going to be pretty. If you've got people, people, the, the, the citizens of her district in Georgia, whether you like her or not, duly elected her and sent her there, as did the people of AOC, as did the people of Ilhan Omar, Miss Presley. All those, and I mean, and they're, we they're, we can start naming names of, of people that I feel are, are viable communist threats, but they were elected by their citizenry who probably reflect that. Then we have to go back and and basically, if if she is somehow unAmerican or somehow ineligible, then I think all the espousing of violence against uh, Americans and all the bad mouthing and and where we've got actual anti-American sentiment. Why not go after those people? Because if you're going to do one against the other, and you're not going to have equal, then then you're going to have a a very, there's going to be a violent response. Right now, I can tell you a lot of people that I talk with all over the nation, actually internationally, they look at 2022 as a litmus test. Are we going to correct and move past 2020? I think there's enough evidence that it was tampered with. And and I think Republicans had as much to do with that as, as, as Democrats. That's my opinion. But if we don't have free and fair elections in 2022,
0: all bets are off. What do you think? Well, I, I think you are correct in the sense that people are very frustrated. And the last thing we need is we need the last thing we need is people not trusting election results, which is why looking into election integrity and ensuring that this upcoming round of elections and all future elections are are fair and open and transparent. Um, you know, I, I think what you mentioned about, uh, the squad, for example, it's a great point. Like the, I think one of the reasons the Republicans generally get their butts kicked is because we don't ever return the medicine in the way it deserves to be returned. You know, for example, with impeachment, I mean, for gosh sake, they impeached Donald Trump twice in his four years. Um, and now you've got Kevin McCarthy saying, let's not be too hasty. And a bunch of other rhinos saying, let's not be too hasty. Absolutely not. Make their lives miserable. Impeach him mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Tie up their machinery too. Um, they're going to try and challenge the qualifications of Marjorie Taylor Greene, challenge AOC's qualifications, challenge Ms. Presley's qualifications. It, we have a real problem with the whole concept of goose gander. and We think it's okay. We're supposed to be above the fray and take it. You know, I, I joke with friends. The Republican Party is like the British in the Revolutionary War, you know, with the nice little red coats and lining up in columns and stuffing their their muskets one at a time, and you've got our guys, you know, the left are the revolutionaries crawling through the mud with the, a knife in their teeth, Guerilla destroying warfare. the Brits. And yeah, yeah. we wonder why we're getting killed. It's because we are not fighting the same war. The thing that worries me the most, Darren, is not even the left. I mean, I think, I think the left is a hyper minority in this country. I think we are the great silent majority, as we've seen in the last year with CRT and parents rising up in school board meetings. What worries me the most is not so much the left. They can be conquered. It's when we have people who don't believe they're a threat, who have positions of power and roll their eyes when you and I say we have to do something about X or Y. And so I think this upcoming fall is is a great test in terms of who shows up next next spring in Congress and around the country in different state legislatures and governors' mansions and takes these things seriously. Because if we don't start taking some of these things seriously, I mean, look around. 20 years ago, all the stuff that we were told by the left wasn't what they were trying to do is exactly what they're trying to do today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no they
0: they broadcast
1: it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't try to hide it. No so secrets. It, it, there was no secrets. Uh, this is the battle plan. Uh, uh you know, kind of like uh, you know, you're on you're, you're you're fourth and one on the one yard line to score a touchdown. Do do you pass the ball or do you give it to Marshawn Lynch? Well, if you pass the ball, <laughs> you, you saw what happened. <laughs> yes, that was a rub for all you Seattle fans. <laughs> so, all right. Let's let's shift gears for a second. I'm looking at the site, the American First Legal. You guys have been busy? Kind of update. What's what's happening there? What are you doing there as, as the director?
0: Well, I'm not the director. I'm the deputy director for oversight. So director. I'm working Sorry. with a, a an amazing team where um, everyone is doing quite a bit of work. But just the, some of the highlights of what we're doing. I mean, we're into everything. I mean, we are filing litigation at the state and federal level. We are. Um, just a few highlights, um, we are in the immigration space. We worked with state attorneys general last summer to file to make sure the Biden administration was, would re-implement the migrant protection protocols, which is the Remain in Mexico policy. Um, not only did we succeed in working with the state AGs to get the uh, court to say that they have to re-implement it, but we've since discovered that the Department of Homeland Security and the people uh, in the administration are probably in contempt of court and violating federal law because they are not re-implementing MPP. Hopefully the court will look at that soon. Um, We just actually recently filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court on the MPP litigation, which is Biden v. Texas. Um, We also filed a new suit today in conjunction with the state of Texas to prevent the Biden administration from ending Title 42, which is the public health policy requirement to exclude certain foreign nationals from crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, And so we're going to see how that goes. We've got other stuff. We basically also are tackling everything from uh, critical race theory to the Iran deal. And uh, anyone who wants to see what we're working on, please come see us at aflegal.org. That's aflegal.org. And also, Darren, if I may, if anyone out there, whether you're involved in federal, state, local government, you see a problem and you want to bring it to light, reach out to us. Um, We are always looking for new avenues of opportunity, whether it's litigation or just trumpeting something to get attention.
1: Let's talk about the, the, the Title 42 lawsuit. Um, I've got, God, I just, we've spent, or sent, or committed, in excess of $20 billion to Ukraine. And we're going to talk about Ukraine in just a minute. And we've got a porous southern border because of Mr. Biden's policies and his violation of his constitutional uh, duties. The Title 42 was enacted during Trump's administration. It's a tool. It's not the only thing, but it's a tool. How important is it to keep that in place? Kind of go into some detail on really what that does as far as a tool and how important it is and what you feel the probabilities are for this to be um, stopped in is tracked so that it, it, we keep that tool in place.
0: That's a good question, Darren. It's absolutely vital to prevent the collapse of the U.S. border. Um, this was something that was implemented, as most recall, uh, in the uh, late spring of 2020 when President Trump was still in the White House. And with COVID raging around the world, and people were still not quite sure what it was capable of, but it was serious enough that it was a concern. And obviously, had shut things down at home that under um, Title 42 of the US code, the Surgeon General has the authority to shut to make certain public um, health recommendations, including closing borders and doing other things. And uh, this has been on the, in place for two years. It's worth noting that even President Biden kept it in place when he took office. Um, It's valuable because it really excludes people who might be carrying COVID and other diseases. And other diseases are important, too. It's not just COVID. But what's more important, I think, at this point is uh, it's really a significant symbolic thing in addition to the substantive dimension of it. In other words, um, right now, we know that a lot of people are trying to flood the border because the the Biden administration has basically thrown up a giant neon sign saying, come on in. Right. Um, But the only thing that may have prevented even higher numbers is the fact that Title 42 is still in place. So I don't expect people who are in Guatemala and and trying to come here illegally are keeping up with the latest court filings. But I do expect they get word of mouth from people saying it's easy to get up. It's easy to get into the U.S. It's hard to get into the U.S. So this is just another thing that's going to in the pocket of, hey, it's a little easier to get into the U.S. now. We don't know what sort of factor that will have in terms of the flow of people from these countries and elsewhere around the world. So right now, too, I should point out, even under the the Biden administration's own numbers, um, which I'm sure they're downplaying in some way, uh, they basically admitted that uh, they have literally let in um, in excess of 800,000 people since January 20th, 2021. Now, that's not even including the unaccompanied and alien children that they're sending facilities, and that's not including the people who have crossed the border that we don't know about. That's their own numbers. I I can't even emphasize how much those numbers will increase if Title 42 were to go away, because they are actually not letting certain people in under Title 42. Uh, Many of them are single males, and I I can't even tell you how bad it will be. I don't have an ability to give you a scale, but it will be bad.
1: Well, and this is something that... (sighs) me me and governor abbott don't see it eye eye to eye i mean he i know that he's got some of our national guard on the border but we don't have our full force and there are things that that I, i think it's neat taking the illegals and taking dc that's great um i guess here's the question abbott has the constitutional authority to protect the border if the president does not he has that constitutional duty he's not doing it um Is it implied by a vacation of those duties that the citizens have the right to protect the border themselves?
0: Um, I I think, do you mean like in terms of a self-spawning militia or a group of men and women? Or Generalized question. I'm just looking at it. Obviously, Biden
1: has defaulted. He's not doing it it falls to Abbott or any other border governor. Um, And then my my, my view is they could have the national guard and they could shut it down. That's not happening. Does it default default to the citizens then to say we must protect our border, which could be interpreted in all of the above?
0: I don't know, Darren. I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with groups that are trying to survey and keep an eye on things and report to law enforcement or even the military. I, I do agree with you in the sense that states um, I've given governor Abbott some credit for some things in the past but he could be doing more and yeah you know the, the reality is the National Guard is able to be used to prevent people from entering the country if the governor of that state wants that to happen that's right um, it's this is one I have this fight with people all the time who say the states don't have this right and I, I remind them that if yes, you had told if, if you had told them oh I don't agree with them but I what I push back with is if you had told the founding fathers that the states would be surrendering their sovereign real oh. estate to a, a corrupt central government, there never would have been a U.S. Constitution or the United States. That's because right. Because they would have said no way in hell. And right. these the states also, don't forget, these governors, they have independent constitutional obligations to their citizens. And so the existence of our current federal government does not exempt them from that duty to protect their people. But one thing, just a quick story, I remember we had some serious fights with the Department of Defense over this because we wanted state governments and state governors to be more involved. We wanted the more muscular use of the National Guard, and the Department of Defense. Uh, that whole place needs to be fumigated in a future Republican administration. There's not a there's not a valuable human being in that five sided building. Um, they were basically saying that the military has no ability to stop anyone from crossing the U.S. border under the grounds of posse comitatus. And we would, I, I was we were sitting in these rooms sometimes saying, so you're saying that if if there was an invading army like literally like someone was walking across the border with equipment that you couldn't stop them they would say and their response was no it's domestic law enforcement matter Um, you know you want to know why the country domestic law enforcement matter DOD in meetings in the White House and other places around the federal government said that the US military and the National Guard could not stop people coming across the border because it was a domestic law enforcement action even if it was an armed activity so – and I'll tell you, what, right now what you're – I'm not kidding about this. And what you're seeing also they, have, deserves, did, have they ever seen this thing called the Constitution? Uh, no, they haven't, and they all need to be fired. Uh, but the, it's, it was remarkable to me because right now what we're literally seeing there – and I'm sure you're hearing some stories about this – cartels are shooting at yes. U.S. federal and state, local – Yes, and they are. That's, that's an act of war. Right. So, like, we are, we're not talking niceties about – um, is someone coming across to see their family? Did they cross illegally? We're talking about basically, I mean, Mexico, We this is another thing nobody wants to talk about. Mexico is essentially a second world country, which is where, and it is where Colombia was about 25 years ago. Yeah. Remember when we were talking about how the FARC controlled Colombia and the Colombian government answered to the, the cartels and the drug yeah. gangs? That's what Mexico is now. If we right. if we can't, it's not really even realistic to talk about Mexico as a functioning, unified country that's in complete control because they are run by cartels. The states on the northern side of Mexico are run by cartels. They control routes. They give the government money. The government lets them continue to function. And so I don't know what else you'd call that other than um, some sort of facilitation of an invasion, if not an invasion. I think people get hung up on the concept of, well, it's only an invasion if they're carrying rifles and they're marching in lockstep and they're a unified. N- no, I don't I think I guarantee the, you the first time one of
1: those bullets hits someone, the conversation is going to change, but no, they're committing an
0: act of war right now. Yeah, at, and at the very least, Darren, it, 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 it gets the governors the ability to have their men and women be armed and prepared to deal with it and turn back any traffic and return fire if it's
1: they're necessary. fired upon. If they're fired upon, they should have the they should have the ability to refer return fire to that enemy that is shooting and basically declaring war against us. Uh, and these are the problems. This is why I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hide. You know, I'm, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat in our, our state governor race this fall, but I'm not going to hide the fact I was dissatisfied that Greg Abbott got the nomination because I don't think a- Abbott, in my opinion, does just enough to keep people placated. He does not hit the gas by any stretch of the imagination, and I, I think it's a problem that we've got in, in the state. Now, I was also noticing here, you guys, you're going pretty hot and heavy right now um, against CRT. Kind of enlighten me on some of the cases that you're working on right now, because that's a hot topic all across the nation. And, I, and I, I think that's that's one of the few CRT. And I think the issue that we've started to see with grooming are one of the few areas that I think you're actually seeing liberals and conservatives come together on something. And go, yeah, I, th- I think we can agree on this. What are you guys doing on that, that front?
0: Well, we've got a we've got a couple of lawsuits. Uh, one I know where basically we uh, filed. There's one that we just launched the other day in Pennsylvania, um, where um, they are basically routing people based on race into certain classes and certain uh, fields of study, which seems, you know, I think most Americans would think that is highly inappropriate. Um, uh, they're, they're, what is, I have
1: to, what's their justification?
0: Uh, that's a really good question. I'm, I think we're going to find out in the course of litigation, uh, and and it's. We're, we've got a ton of FOIA requests out right now, basically trying to figure out what agencies are doing on critical race theory. You, I, you know, I live in Virginia. We talked about this before, where this was basically the reason the Republicans won Virginia last fall. Absolutely. And and it did. It did truly unite Democrats and Republicans, because as as much as, you know, liberals, God bless them. They don't really want their kids to be stupid either. And they, they don't like paying through the nose for property taxes for schools that aren't good. So it was a, quite a uniting factor. Um, and telling people that they're horrible people because of the color of their skin is just not appropriate in any setting. So um, I think you're going to see more of that coming out. It, the agencies are really intent. The federal agencies are really intent on denying that there is such a thing as critical race theory. They're trying to convince you you're imagining it. It's, because, all, it's because all over the place. Well it's, well, it's true. I mean, it's, and it's, but it's so indefensible, Darren. They have to pretend it doesn't exist to get away with it. Right, because they can acknowledge it and expect there to be a reasonable public reaction. The public reaction is what happened in Virginia last year, and they can't afford to have that happen over the next few election cycles. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty awful, and um, it's not the only thing. We, we've got one other case I think you w- would be interested in. Um, we are working on figuring out the, the, through FOIA requests and other, other means to find out um, exactly what the federal government is doing with the big tech giants to censor and uh, prevent people from being involved in those platforms and also trying to identify them as terrorists. So um, your government is working against you, Darren, is pretty much what it comes down to. We're trying our best to uncover that right now.
1: Well, and I got to tell you something. If, if the founding fathers came through a time warp and, and saw what was going on, I think they'd be stacking these people like firewood.
0: Uh, but I, I you know i wouldn't be surprised about that but i also know they would go back in time and say guys we got to write this a little bit differently just to make sure some things are headed off at the past <laughs> or, sure or
1: as you say it may not have ever happened yeah that's more likely that's more likely i think they would have said well you know what we're just we, we we don't have that crystal ball into the future uh and going forward now so you guys are doing quite a bit there tell me about you this the iran deal i mean this is just This is one of those tar babies you can't get away from, but it's not in the news. Yeah, it's not in the news. It's not being reported. Tell us about what's going on there and what AFL is doing.
0: It turns out, Darren, that when you break everything, uh, lots of the broken stuff doesn't get noticed. And this is just one tremendous example. So we all remember that um, President Obama literally put billions of dollars of cash on wooden pallets and flew it over to the terrorist regime in Iran. Uh, in 2016, uh, you know, they pushed and pushed and pushed for this deal, which they said was going to lead to moderation by the Ayatollah It had the opposite effect. Like they were laughing in our faces, still chanting death to America after literally, literally getting hundreds of billions of dollars in cash on in plane loads from Obama. Um, Donald Trump ran on destroying or tearing up the Iran deal and making sure that Iran, the regime was going to be forced to follow the law and treat its people well. He followed through. Um, And basically, in that time, even before the Trump administration, but especially during the Trump administration, Iran, the the, the Ayatollah and the regime showed their true colors. Um, They continued to enrich uranium. They continued to violate everything they said they would do in the deal um, that they signed with President Obama. So what happened basically at the end of the Trump administration was, you know, I have it on good authority that the people who are are on our side and work closely with Iran— talk to dissidents are well connected to the community really think that if Trump had had a second term, uh, the Ayatollah's regime probably would have ended. Um, rumor has it we were months away from probably having a free Iran in the world and who knows how much, how wonderful that would be. It would be great to have another ally Mm. in that part of the world who believes in Western style values, who's strong and likes America for the most part, the people do not the government, but the people, Um, well, the Biden administration certainly didn't want that. So they immediately begin, began trying to resurrect what Obama did. Um, they want a new deal. They want to flood the, the regime, which is probably on shaky ground financially with some extra cash. They obviously are OK with them getting the bomb because they're not worried about a dangerous multipolar world. And um, what we've done is really pretty simple. We've asked them to make sure that they um, maintain all their records, you know, whether the White House or other federal agencies, maintain all their records regarding this new Iran deal, Iran deal 2.0 that Joe Biden wants to put together. Uh, basically it's a litigation hold letter. And we intend to sue them um, in conjunction with other parties. If they uh, try to implement any sort of deal without putting this in front of the U S Senate. And this is the big sticking point for, I think most people. Yeah, Even some... It's a treaty. It's, it's got to have Senate ratification. That was one of right. the issues. Th- yeah. This is Democrats won't talk about this, Darren, but this is actually something they're unhappy about as well. And yes, you you can call it, you know, uh, a polka dot pony, but it's still a treaty and you still have to put it in front of the Senate for ratification for two thirds vote. And so um, if they don't do that, they're going to get sued and they're going to re- regret it. OK, let's let's spin
1: back a second on tech. What's your opinion on what's happening right now with Elon Musk and Twitter? And 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 I, I'm 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 shaky on securities law. It's been a while. But is it possible that the Twitter board violated securities law and what they did with Elon?
0: Uh, it has been a long time since I've taken corporations too, <laughs> so I'm sorry, Darren. The, uh, yeah, I will. I, I think it, the whole thing is pretty interesting. Um, I the thing that I find really most interesting is you officially reached a point where um, companies are willing to cut off their proverbial nose to spite their face, um, mm-hmm. and you've got Elon Musk in a position where he's literally saying. I would like to acquire your company. I am going to make it worth everyone's while. Investors will benefit and the board and other people have essentially told him to pound sand, which is why I think you saw Governor DeSantis the other day say, "Well, hold on a second, you're about to tank our pension funds because we're heavily invested in Twitter, and it really raises some serious questions about the stewardship of this particular board, whether or not they're serving shareholders. Yeah. You know, shareholders are going to have to get a little more involved in this and this is this is like a. I feel like this is a corporation's uh, law exam question, you know, like what should happen here? Um, I mean, from
1: the the trainings that I have, because and and now it bothers me that, you know, DeSantis is Florida's invested in Twitter, but it's not his, not only his state, but the reality is if you're a publicly traded company, you're supposed to be looking out for your shareholders and your shareholders have the final say. And they took that away from Mm them. That's a basic violation of a board shareholder tenant. I don't know. I, well, I say that I'm surprised the SEC or FinCEN's not involved. But then, under the current administration, maybe they're turning a blind eye to it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question. But your point is a good one. And I, I always thought that the goal of every board was to ensure that shareholders were profitable, that the shares owned by shareholders were profitable.
1: Yeah, maximize uh, the return. That's 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 your duty as a board. Now, it doesn't mean you don't take things into consideration like you know, the welfare of the area you work, like that. But just to say, well, we're not comfortable with you because you might make
0: us better at free speech. I I don't think that washes. I I worry that's what their argument would be, Darren. They would probably say for the long-term growth of society that this is a long-term growth strategy. Now, you and I don't agree with that. We think it's nonsense. And I I bet you, if you convince most, if they were to say that bluntly to most shareholders, I can't imagine that they'd be happy either. Um, At the end of the day, I think most people don't mind if other people are speaking freely on a platform. And if they're making more money, so be it. Um, yeah. but, but what's really, I think there's um, there's a really creepy trend here, which is that we've got government in league with pri- the private sector. And I, there are some people who sort of, they sort of shrug off what's going on with Twitter and Facebook. And they say, well, they're private sector. They're not private sector anymore, really. They've, no, it's they're like not. When a, it's like when a sheriff deputizes someone to help them in the field. You're law enforcement now. You're part of government um yeah. and it's it is officially a first amendment violation once the federal government deputizes a giant private corporation you know the, di- the modern digital town square has now been commandeered by the federal government and uh, hey one other thing too i think you might have caught but i wanted to flag for you did you notice last week who stopped um who stepped in to prevent uh elon musk from basically becoming more involved in twitter uh Mr. it was the, ste- the saudi investor yeah so I think we have to start asking some serious questions about the degree of foreign ownership for these type of giant social media platforms. Like, is it okay for someone? And there have been some rumors that he's not a shareholder anymore, although that raises questions about how he was able to jump in and stop Elon Musk from right. being involved. That, that wasn't like a sympathy vote. It was There was some financial connection there. That's another thing. It's bad enough we've got government commandeering the private sector to squash the First Amendment. How much foreign involvement, for all these people who caterwall about Russian collusion, they're not, and they—they they certainly were complaining about the Khashoggi murder a couple of years ago. All of a sudden, right. silence, silence on a Saudi yeah. investor preventing an American from being the majority owner of a social media platform. It's disgraceful. It is disgraceful. Let's talk about the biggest disgrace of
1: all, and I, I just want to vomit when I think about it. And that's—you uh, know—we had things there. Uh, first off, Special Counsel Durham. God bless his little soul uh it has taken forever to do his job but he's actually starting to come out with some nuggets he came out with the nugget on hillary and then the damn world explodes in ukraine kind of interesting timing you've kept up i'm assuming you kept up with what's going on in ukraine do you feel the united states is on the right side of that equation
0: I'll say this, Darren. I don't... Let me think, rephrase it
1: on the correct
0: side of the equation. The, the way I would say it is this. Um, I don't think that Americans should ever be put in harm's way for what's going on overseas. I, I have serious concerns about us investing in another war that's someone else's war. I think that problems, however, were created by an administration that was... in. I can't say this for sure, but it sure looked like they were okay with this war happening. Uh, and all of their posturing basically after the fact cannot make up for the fact that a few of those steps prior to what happened to the initiation of conflict between Russia and Ukraine could have prevented that from happening in the first place. Now, I, I, Lord knows, there, I, I haven't talked to a single person whose heart doesn't go out to the people of Ukraine who've been injured, killed, etc. That's not that's not the
1: issue. I, 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 we don't want to see that happen, but in terms of the governments, people seem to forget what happened in 2014 when Poroshenko was effectively kicked out my brother Obama mm-hmm. and Mr. Biden and that's when Zelensky came in. that man wasn't duly elected. He was selected. and I love how what, what was the latest they need seven billion a month to get their economy back like why are we sending a dime to these people? I, I don't understand I mean our southern border we don't need 20 billion, but can you imagine if we got two billion on the southern border just in resources and human? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is it we can we, we, we feel that that's more important over there but it's not here how is that justified what when you I know you ask questions of these people what do they tell you when, when you
0: ask them? well the, the, I mean what they've this is the big problem that we really have with our border it's not that we're not I think Americans are decent people Darren I think they always like to think their leaders are decent people also and when they encounter a situation like the current one, the first reaction of any normal, decent human being is, gosh, it's not working. They need help. They're doing something wrong. How do, How can they make it work? I don't think people who think like that really understand what's going on. I this agree. is an, an engineered nosedive of the republic and its machinery. Like this is an intentional failure at the border to flood the United States with foreign nationals so they can give them amnesty and replace you as their primary voter. Um, Correct. And so in that sense, I don't ever I've never looked at it as as if the Biden administration is full of keystone cops like they want this crash. They want this collapse of the border zone. They want hundreds. of That's why they want to cancel 42. Now they want uh, Title 42. They want even more illegal aliens in the country. Um, You know, it's it's I just think
1: it's because they don't think that the American public will break and take them out.
0: I think it's because they they I mean, the left is just way better than the right at lying that's just they're just way better at it and they want to stay in power and i think they think i know but but deep down i mean
1: look january 6th was not an insurrection but it obviously scared the bejesus out of them taking that and as a a protest do they not un- do they simply not believe that that could not happen on a national level a a, a, rebe- a true rebellion i mean you start starving people you start doing i mean people will only we're, we're nice to a point, and once you back that that animal into the corner, and it comes out, it's a very different animal than what was backed in. And and the corner starting to approach, it's 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 very close. Do you think they simply somewhere? Well, yeah, they got they got uh, they were a little upset with this Jane, but they're they're not going to go the full route of rebellion. You think that's it? You think it's that arrogant?
0: I, I, well, I, to your point, I think it's a, it's been a long time since Americans as a whole have had their proverbial back backed into a corner, right? Um yeah. I'd say it this way. I think that the, the the Washington and the corruption that crosses both parties has has had its had its way with the American people for a really long time until Donald Trump was in office. And I, I you know, obviously a fan of Donald Trump's, I don't think he was perfect, but I think he was a pretty significant wake-up call for a lot of people, both Absolutely. good and bad.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think what happened was whereas prior to his administration the uniparty left right nightmare that is washington dc was boiling us slowly i think they realized the gig would be up with two terms of trump or someone like him right and they have accelerated what they've been doing so you know whereas they've been bleeding us slowly with illegal immigration they're kind of they're kind of diving the plane on purpose at a much greater speed because they realize they're out of time ditto election fraud uh ditto transgender nonsense ditto, ditto suppression of free speech they're going for the gold on everything because I think they know they're out of time. So I view this all as a positive in a way because I think they know they're out of time. It's a question of whether or not our side is smart enough to realize they're out of time, to fight like hell, and reverse some of the nonsense if and when we have the ability to do so. That's where I'm concerned the most. Yeah. Well, I think we have the
1: people that can lead if they're willing to step forward. Um, and it's obviously if, you, if you're getting in the, in the public light in any capacity, including doing a podcast uh you got to be able to handle whatever heat comes comes your way i think we've got that i just for some reason i there, there there's people want to be nice but they're only going to be nice so long and and we like i said i look at 2022 but this acceleration of what's happened with marjorie taylor green you know if they truly remove her from the ballot there there could be a shift of things right now because this woman's done nothing wrong in office. You may not like her politics. You may not like the fact that she's opinionated, the fact she'll stick it out there and she'll do a verbal do and a a tete-a-tete. But to remove her from the ballot, if she doesn't qualify from the ballot, there's a whole lot of other people that the Republicans need to go after. And if they don't go after, there could be internal. I mean, this could literally tear the Republican Party apart internally because there's going to be a lot of people say, okay, if they did that to her, you need to, there's about 30 people on the other side, you need to go do that too right now. And if you don't, so I mean, there's just, there's a lot of things in balance here. And I, I think it's great that you guys are doing what you're doing to stay out there. So here's a question. Obviously, to file these lawsuits isn't free. What are you guys doing for fundraising?
0: Well, thank you for that question, Darren. So um, we, we do, we uh, you know, we do raise money and we welcome any contributions anyone out there can offer to help us file these lawsuits. I mean, for what it's worth, there I, I know that the world is awash in 501c3 nonprofit organizations, but the reality is every dollar we get is carefully used. We're filing FOIA requests all over the place. We're sponsoring litigation in various federal circuits. Um, it, it, your dollar is being carefully watched and used in an appropriate way. And we really could use your assistance, especially because we're I mean, basically we're keeping an eye on the Biden crime family and making sure your government's not attacking you. Uh, and it's a full time job, unfortunately, in this administration. And it's long overdue. And um, with your support, we could do a lot more. If anyone out there has any free time, come visit us at, amer- at AFLegal.org, AFLegal.org. Yeah. We, yeah.
1: Make those because, you know, I know your Tom Fitton's group is another ones out there. ACLJ, we don't have a whole lot fighting on the right side. And we need more, so we'll, we'll certainly get that out there. Now, um, I'm sitting here going through. You got you, you've been out there just whacking them pretty hard and heavy. What do you see coming up? I mean, right now, I think everything this empty this Marjorie Taylor Green thing is really upsetting. It's and I'm I'm looking the live feed. Well, we'll I think it's going to be tossed because I've seen the judge snickering and everybody's commenting. What do you see going to 2022? That's going to be different this time than what we had in 2020. And moreover, are we going to see a better prepared response if the Republican Party senses any type of shenanigans?
0: Well, I mean, we are Republicans, Darren. So like, I, that's what worries me the most was that we won't somehow have learned this important lesson, but I will say this, I do think despite all the, the issues, despite all the concerns, for example, that uh, Georgia is not doing what it needs to do for every Georgia, there are, there is a corner of the country where someone is doing the right thing, whether it's the state officials or just the average Joe uh, who is fighting to make sure election integrity becomes real. And it's not just a punchline. Um, actually, that's one thing I think is, is something to keep an eye on going forward. If you, it's not a coincidence in my opinion, Darren, that we're starting to see certain corners of blue all of a sudden discover a new variant and start putting mask mandates in place. I don't know if you saw that Philadelphia has reimposed its mask mandate. Uh, you know, the same Joe Biden administration that's seeking to pull down Title 42 is gonna fight like hell in a federal court to make sure you have to wear your mask, damn it, on a plane. Um, they, they need to keep the spark of fear in people about the pandemic alive. Yeah. So that they can force people to do mail-in ballots again in the fall or beyond.
1: Well, but uh, here's the thing, and I, and I don't this is the the problem was with the whole mail-in ballots, and, and I had some other people on, that was not fought properly. They fought it on fraud and they should have fought it on the, the violations of constitutional authority. Okay. The state legislature's control, who is not a local judge, not the secretary of state, the state legislature. And they uh-huh. didn't fight it that way. I've had a lot of back and forth. Do you think that was intentional, stupidity, or a little of both?
0: Probably a little of both. Uh, I mean, I'm with you. I think that you're you're never – this is just my opinion, but I don't think you're ever going to get a court going forward to, after an election happens and there was fraud in an election, come out and undo the result of an election because there was fraud, even if it is proven to a metaphysical certainty. Judges just don't want to get involved in that front. I, I don't, I, you know, I do think a judge has an obligation if they find the law was broken to say that out loud. But you saw what happened with the Supreme Court. You saw what all the state Supreme Court said. Um, they, they didn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. I do think the legislatures have to solve these problems. Um, but for whatever reason, some are, some aren't. Um, it's like you said earlier, you think they're, they're I, I personally agree with you. I think there are some Republican officials who are perfectly okay with the fraud because it helps them sometimes. Um, and they, I don't think that should be. I don't think that's an appropriate reaction for any party. Um, elections should be free and fair and transparent, and that's just the way it should be. But um, I'm with you on the state legislature. The one, the one slight disagreement I would make is that if we wanted to have a dent from, let's say, a litigation perspective, we have a handful of states where Republicans run the governor's mansion, the attorney's gen- attorney general's office, the secretary of state's office. We should take a page out of the last book and sue them. You know, and what the left, I mean, if you recall what happened in Georgia, this is exactly what happened in Georgia. Stacey Abrams' corrupt voter fraud group uh, sued Raffensperger, and for some unknown reason, he settled with them instead of fighting tooth and nail to maintain the integrity of the system. Well, why don't we do that? There should be some litigation out there that goes to these Republican governors, Republican AGs, secretaries of state, sues, and we might get them to agree to a settlement to stop engaging in fraudulent tactics. You know, or th- there are ways to do this. We could pretty much flip the left tactics on itself if we had the right people in the right places. In fairness, I think there are some people who are making a dent. I don't follow this daily. I kind of keep a soft focus on it because um, there's just too much, and you can go crazy if you read all of it. Right. But I do think things are breaking in certain ways. I also think um, Virginia is actually kind of a great example of what happens when people are paying attention.
1: And, and um, give us an update. Well, how, how are things going on in Virginia? You've got a new governor. You've got a new legislature. What's What's happening in Virginia now?
0: Well, I, I will say uh, so far, so good. I mean, it's, it's I, I'm trying not to be super critical because they're kind of all brand new. You know, they're only three months in. I will give Governor Yunkin and uh, A.G. Miara's tremendous credit. They basically um, tag teamed to make sure that our kids were not being suffocated in school anymore. Um, and they, they did it incredibly well. You know, he, he tried on Governor Yunkin tried on day one with his executive order. The left went nuts and tried to stop it at the local level. So then they managed to get a bill passed that basically forced um, freedom, go figure, and they were very successful. So, I, you know, it was kind of refreshing to have someone run for office and do what they actually said they would do. Uh, that being said, I, you know, I think right now they're in a little bit of a doldrum. Uh, I know the state has not passed its budget. Um, you know, I'd love to see Governor Youngkin call these guys back and just keep calling them back until he gets his entire agenda passed. I don't know if anyone's told him he can do that. <laughs> I hope someone has. Um, uh, uh Jason Miares has done a fantastic job as Attorney General. Um, he is basically lifting up a lot of rocks, and uh, the left is unhappy here. And it's okay. just a reminder though, it's it's early. Like they literally have only been, I mean, what's today? Today is April 22nd, right. Um, they've been in office for three months. Um, and I just hope they keep charging. I mean, I hope I'd love for Governor Yunkin to take a page out of Governor DeSantis's book. He just never stops moving. He's like a shark. Um, you know, that's what what we all
1: need. What do you think about what's, I mean, I think Disney just slit its throat, uh, in in more ways than one, Uh, what, what's your, your, and I I love what DeSantis has done in all honesty, that needs to be across the board. You can't just keep giving corporations, these type of breaks, uh, and and shifting it. But what do you think about what DeSantis has done in Disney?
0: I think what he did was amazing because you know, most other Republican governors would have just shrugged and said, well, it's Disney. There's nothing we can do. And DeSantis said, watch this. I hold my beer. <laughs> he basically told them, nope, no more special privileges. You're not going to punch us in the face in public and then get a benefit from the taxpayers of Florida. No way. I just and- can't
1: believe Disney was so stupid to come out. And, and prom- I mean, we've known that they've been uh, on the pro side of the LGBT community for a number of years. I mean, I took my family down there in the early part of the 2000s, and we happened to get there on gay day. You know, and that was we dealt with it. But to come out and just say, well, you know, we, we oppose the law and, you know, now half of our characters are going to be this, this and this, you know, look, that community five, maybe 10 percent of the population. That's fine. Cater to that five percent. But most of America is not. What, what I somehow rem- that seems to get forgotten.
0: Darren, what I find remarkable, this gets back to what you were saying before about Twitter, about how the the share the these boards of directors are no longer actually in any way interested in benefiting the shareholder. No. And the only thing that's really ever going to hurt is when it hurts. In other words, if Americans start canceling their Disney plus subscriptions, if people stop going to these parks. Um, unfortunately, that's the only thing that will hurt. And I don't, yeah. maybe they've made some sort of backroom calculation and figured out, you know, we can punch a certain segment of the population in the face and still make a ton of money. So it doesn't matter. Maybe that's I think, true. I think they've
1: taken a fit. A... Between what they're losing and uh, they're going to have to pay in taxes, and I know what they're lost in subscriptions, they've taken a beating. All right, I'm getting the I'm getting the 30 second mark here. Uh, we're out of time, John. Thank you for joining us, and and uh, I'll get back with you. When we'll update folks. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. Our special guest today has been John Zadrosny. He is the deputy director for America First Legal. By the way, please be sure to go to their website and donate. Uh, they're one of the good guys that's out there fighting for us. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Uh, we always try to make it informative, educational, somewhat entertaining. I'll be back next week, and we'll do it all again. I want you to remember that this is a great, great country, despite all of our problems. And remember, everybody deployed. God bless America. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share then.